0: Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life Podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you, to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hi, everyone. I'm so, so, so excited to welcome all of you and introduce you to a really good friend. Her name is Jacqueline Kinzer. She's an international board certified lactation consultant and a certified specialist oral facial myology. And today, as you can guess, the episode is all about breastfeeding and how to build that resiliency because this is one of the issues or struggles or journeys that I hear the most that parents get really frustrated. Not only moms, but also their partners, because it's it is a it's something that it's not necessarily done in many generations. We're bringing it back, so in a way, it can feel something new, and it can add a lot of stress. So I wanted to bring this episode and welcome Jacqueline. So without any further ado, hi Jacqueline and welcome.
1: Hi, Lidiana. Thank you for having me. And I like what you said about bringing breastfeeding back. It made me think of like Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're bringing it back. Yeah. So yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's so important, and yeah, we're bringing back a lot of things, and this is one of them. And I'm really excited to see more people going back into breastfeeding. Because I mean, in the old days, people used this is the way that they survived, so yeah, they would do it. So, all right So before we go in, Jacqueline, I would ask you if you can tell us a little bit about you, tell the work and amazing work that you're doing over there in Phoenix, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. I'm here in Phoenix and I've been practicing. Let's see. I started my practice four years ago, but I've been practicing a bit before that as well. And yeah, really my, my biggest passion is, you know, helping moms get the support that I didn't get after I had my first child. And I, there's a couple, couple passions within that because you know, just like any other doctor or therapist or nurse or whatever, you know, we all have different skill sets, different things we bring to the table. I really want to elevate the standard of care that is given to breastfeeding parents. And the credential that I hold is an international credential. So that means we're certified all over the world. We have the same sort of standard and things like that, but I do feel like the bar is a little bit low in terms of now the breastfeeding problems that I'm seeing in my practice are very complex. And one of the things that I've really noticed and I've really honed my skills as a clinician is that I'm an IBCLC, I'm board certified. I'm the only lactation provider that's actually a healthcare provider where the other ones are counselors and educators. So the problems I'm seeing, they truly are medical problems that need to be dealt with in that sort of a system. So as much as I am very holistic and the name of my practice is holistic lactation, holistic to me means, you know, doing things as naturally as possible, the least intervention as possible, but just quite honestly, how we're doing and health status just as as human beings right now is is not great. There's a lot of issues that have compromised our health that then compromise breastfeeding. So that's what I really address in my practice and one of my big passions and For anyone who's listening, who's familiar, one of the biggest things I deal with is one, hormonal issues affecting milk supply, but two, also tongue and lip ties in babies. And so I have an additional certification there in oral facial myology to work with babies and their oral function, because if they don't get that off to the right start at the beginning of life, it's so much harder to try to correct that later on in life. And then they're, of course, not going to be able to breastfeed very well.
0: This is so interesting and thank you for bringing all that part of the medical because what I hear more from my side in terms of psychologists and then I've, when I had my son and here and other moms is that they take it personal. They don't necessarily see mm-hmm. it as a medical issue. They they see it more like something is wrong with my milk. My milk dried up. I did not produce enough milk. They don't say my son has a lip tie or I'm having some issues hormonally. It's more about like and there's and then there's a stigma about like if you cannot produce enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do find that whenever I work with my patients and my clients, they're always so grateful and relieved, even though it's like bad news, you know, they're like, oh man, my thyroid's off, or you know, the baby's got ties and has to have a procedure. But they're also relieved that one, I was very honest with them and found what was going on typically when others hadn't. But two, they feel like there's something wrong, but it's not a personal failing that they're relieved to know this is a medical issue. It can be fixed and that I'm the one that can guide them to the right places to get those things treated and assist them along the way. So yeah, I think you hit on a really great point there where I know moms often don't even reach out for support with an IVCLC because they feel like, well, if I can't do this on my own, no one else is going to be able to help me. Breastfeeding's natural. I should be able to do it. And they, they tend to feel very defensive, right? And, and even having someone, because we often do home visits, you know, come into your home, you might feel a bit of nervousness about, is this person going to judge the way that I'm living or what I'm doing? And there's just all of that. And and I wanna let the listeners know, we're probably the least judgmental group out there. Also, in case anyone's wondering, we're definitely not anti-formula, right? We're we're just trying to optimize the outcomes of whoever we're working with. And, you know, when it requires healthcare intervention, it does and it's needed. And I really wish that that's my biggest message that I want to get across to people is just like if you broke an arm, you're probably not gonna just sit at home and hope for the best and whatever although i'm sure there's a few people out there who might but generally you're going to go seek some treatment for that if your breasts aren't making milk right if they're hurting if they're whatever like your baby's not gaining weight these are all things that are pathologies essentially that need to be addressed by a healthcare provider who can help you with those things
0: yes and that's one of the ways that the pediatricians and the other medical community sees it is is the baby Gaining the weight is a baby, doing enough wet or um, poop with diapers and all that, and he goes again. Because I remember when I had my son, and he had, and probably you know now we're thanks of thanks to Jacqueline, where as I'm recording this episode next week, I'm gonna have my son have a surgery because probably everything happened because of a tongue tie that was never identified, and people look for it. I, his checked for it, I had a chiropractor check for it, and I think it was so like you cannot see necessarily as easy, that it created all this other effect and issues that right now he's almost five and he's going to have a surgery because of his tonsils are almost like 85% obstructing his airway, which is, they're huge. And they've been inflamed for over a year. But going back, it's like that whole issue. And when he was a newborn, I remember that he was not gaining weight and the pediatrician never said, can we check your hormones? Can we check if there's some tongue tied? It was like, get him to gain weight, whichever way you have to. And here's a formula. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's so sad that the medical community that is where the parents are going, usually go to you know the pediatrician because they're seeing their child at the beginning so often, are not even training those kind of things.
1: Yes. And I will say my training as a lactation consultant, and this isn't like to insult my profession, but I, I absolutely know we could be doing a lot better than we are. And it's, it's disheartening because the training I had, was just have mom's triple feed breastfeed pump and bottle feed and that's what's going to work and you know there are sometimes when I do recommend that but a lot of the things that and it's it's temporary we we've, we've got a plan in place right but or, or nipple shields or these kind of things those are all compensations and most of the education that lactation consultants get is around those sorts of things. Oh, do breast compressions, do this. And it's all the stuff you're going to read on YouTube. It's all the stuff you're going to read on the mom blogs, are going to hear about in the mom groups. And if, if you have a lactation consultant who's practicing from stuff that we were taught 20 years ago, they're not up to date with, for me, it's almost like I feel like I'm a functional medicine practitioner just because there's so many things. And I know I've studied infant reflexes and how those into the baby's ability to latch and to latch well. And there's things that I do that are so much more in depth and, and more comprehensive than what's given in my baseline, what I need to pass my boards or my 90 hours of lactation specific education or my thousand clinical hours. Like those weren't things that were covered. And I sort of uncovered those in my own breastfeeding journey. That's why I even went down this path was because the help I had gotten while it felt nice and people cared wasn't actually fixing my issues and so i was like well what is causing those issues and like you said you know i think people are just playing catch up the pediatricians they're not trained in breastfeeding and they're not trained to work with moms so they can't address anything there and unfortunately yeah they're missing the ties a lot of the time or they're missing the underlying cause for the reflux. Some are great, some are not, but there's still a long way to go. And I'm, I feel like I'm just like, I'm pulling like this heavy sled. I'm just trying to like, Hey everybody hop on the sled, come with me. Let's all learn together and grow together. And that's like a whole other conversation. But I, what I really want is for moms to not give up when they don't get the right help the first time to listen to their gut and go, you know yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I think there's something else going on and you might need to use formula. You might need to use whatever, but hopefully there's like a longer term fix in place for you because sometimes it just is that that we did all we could do and and that's it. But there's a lot more that can be done. And I think just letting people know that, like you said, and and avoiding these issues down the road, like with your son, when uh, my husband suffers from sleep apnea and things and had that been addressed earlier on in life, it would have definitely changed the trajectory of a lot of things for his health.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of those things people kind of just accepted and instead of like searching something else. And I mean, I get it. And, you know, being a new mom, there's so many different changes that sometimes you just have to accept some things and keep on going. But at the same time, like if there's a will, there can be a way.
1: Yes, yes. And I do think it's good to create balance to know that you don't have to rush. There's, you know, you don't want to wait too long, but generally there's there's some time. So just for moms to know, like, okay, if I don't get it addressed by day two postpartum, that it it'll still be okay. And then you need to take care of yourself. And then also just check in with yourself emotionally and mentally and What are you really up for? What is your level of commitment to making this work? Because it is different for everyone. And so that's my question I ask everybody on my intake is, you know, I'm not going to work harder than you because that's frustrating for me. And we're probably not going to get along well if you don't want to do certain things. But when I give my clients a care plan, I check in with them and I say, is this doable for you? Can you sustain pumping this many times a day for the next three days? Or can you take these supplements? Or can you do this? And just checking in with them. And what do you need? Like, What is your barrier to that? Because everybody's got different circumstances. You might have to go back to work really soon. It may not feel feasible for you to incorporate certain things. So knowing that, like, what I think some people think about breastfeeding is that it needs to be all or nothing. Either I feed my baby at the breast or provide 100% breast milk, or I have to give up and wean and not do it. But you get to sort of do breastfeeding by design and you get to decide what that looks like for you and your baby. And it may be a blend of things. It may be not all the time. And if you can accept that and understand that's the best you can do, then I think that's a really great move too. It does not need to be all or nothing. And we don't need to put so much pressure on ourselves for breastfeeding to look perfect.
0: Mm, Yeah. So many nuggets here. One of the things that really stuck was accept And that's one of the hardest things for human to accept what is, especially if you're also in the postpartum and you're like, you're like with all these hopes and you read all this book. I have all those mamas that I read all these books. I went to all these meetings. I know how to do it. And accepting what is and then surrendering to what is going to look like that is probably not how you thought. I think it's one of the hardest things. I remember like. When I birthed my son, and I also birthed my new persona, trying to accept. And then now I'm a mom. Now I have a, a little someone, you know, that I need to take care of. And that whole journey can be really hard.
1: Absolutely, there's a lot going on. So just just birthing a child into this world is huge. And depending on how your pregnancy and birth went, creates a different strain or whatever for every person. And then breastfeeding on top of that, even when it's going well, it's, it's a lot and it's very intense and you're going to be doing it for 30, 40 hours a week. It literally is a full-time job. And even if you're pumping instead of nursing at the breast, you're going to be doing it for 30, 40 hours a week. So this expectation going into it to know that this is a time in your life to slow down and to take really good care of yourself so that you can care for your baby. It's more than just breastfeeding, but I do feel like breastfeeding often gets blamed. It is often one of the things that gets cut out first, like, oh, I can't get any sleep. My baby wants to nurse all the time. Yeah, that's what babies wanna do. It doesn't mean that breastfeeding is the problem. Breastfeeding isn't keeping your baby awake. Babies wake up a lot. And while formula for a newborn is harder to digest and technically could have them sleep longer, there's studies that show in the long term that formula-fed babies actually don't sleep as well as breast-fed babies. And that's not to shame formula or anything like that, but it just is a fact. And when it causes digestive disturbances, now your baby has a tummy ache, their digestion's not working right, they're uncomfortable in many ways, and they do not sleep as well. And so while it might seem like an easy fix in that moment when you're really, really struggling, if you have that perspective of, what is the longer term outcome when I do commit and stick with this and knowing that ultimately you will get more sleep and that it's normal. Every new parent is totally sleep deprived. Like we've all been there. You may even have been there in your pregnancy. And so, yeah, it's hard, but you know, what's really cool is women are so resilient. I mean, I think of some of the things that I went through as a new mom, I was so sleep deprived at times. I thought I was going to die. Like, I just didn't know how I could go on. And here I am, I'm right here. So if that helps anybody, just, I mean, we're incredible, incredible. And I think, you know, there's something special about women and mothers that's just, I don't know if it's in our DNA or what, but we really can handle so much more than we think. But that doesn't mean put it all on yourself, but just know you can get through it.
0: Yeah. No, yes. I, yeah, I, I was one of those. (laughs) And and now that I'm going back in, I'm like, okay, have perspective. Last night I slept like nine hours. It will come back, but I know I will probably go down the rabbit hole again and just accept what is. But we discussed many of the different issues. Is there any other that you see like the most common ones?
1: Yeah. Besides struggling to make enough milk and, and oftentimes moms think that they're not making enough when they are. So if you have a pediatrician who's not well-versed in breastfeeding, they may be concerned about the amount of milk that your baby is drinking, but but formula and breast milk just don't compare in terms of volume. So there is a perceived low milk supply problem that I see where formula-fed babies over time have to drink more and more volume because it's a formula and it doesn't change. It's the exact same formula. Whereas breast milk increases in caloric density, your baby doesn't need more volume past the first couple weeks of life. It's can be the same amount pretty much. So there's that. Also, pain, breastfeeding pain. A lot of women are told that it is normal to experience painful nipples and painful engorgements and those sorts of things in the first couple weeks postpartum. And I'm here to tell you that it's actually not normal. At no point in time should our bodies truly be expected to experience pain or damage to the tissue. That is not a normal physiological thing. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, but it does mean that it's a sign of a problem. And even if that pain went away after two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever number it is for you, that doesn't mean that the problem went away. And I can tell you firsthand, I experienced that with my son. Breastfeeding was painful for the first six weeks and then it kind of, I don't wanna say went away. I think it might've been more that I got used to it but he had a tongue and lip tie that had gone unaddressed. And when we got those treated, when he was still nursing as a much older toddler, breastfeeding finally felt comfortable for the first time. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And if you've never experienced functional breastfeeding where it actually is going optimally, you don't have anything to compare it to. But this idea that you should be slathering nipple creams on and the bleeding and bruising is normal then I kind of come back and say, well, does that mean that moms who don't experience breastfeeding pain are abnormal? Because I don't think they are. <laughs> but um, that's just one where I acknowledge that women do experience breastfeeding pain. It just is something that it should be addressed. Now, I will say there's a difference between pain and soreness, and everybody might have their own interpretation of that. Some soreness or tenderness can be normal but actual pain like you're dreading latching your baby that is not and i would encourage you to seek help what are you know other things mastitis i do feel like that's sort of expected or engorgement engorgement is usually a sign of one of two things one is that your baby's not draining the breast well and that again could be related to ties but oftentimes it has a lot to do with the birth circumstances medications those sorts of things So you need some really good lactation management there. Maybe you had a lot of IV fluids in your labor or whatever that can cause some issues. And and you may have an underlying health condition that you didn't realize affects things. Or it can be inflammation. You know, I do find that so many people these days are very inflamed. And if you struggled to maintain a really healthy diet during pregnancy, you may really struggle with things like clogged ducts and mastitis and engorgement and oversupply. I do see that a lot. And it's, it's also food intolerances, which create inflammation. So whatever the cause of inflammation is, just in general, I do see that causing issues with food intolerances. And it's something that a lot of moms don't recognize, that your baby actually inherits your gut. Yes, there's two... DNAs that come together and whatever, but you know, you're gestating the child and then you're breastfeeding the child. So really their microbiome is, is coming from yours. And if you have a leaky gut, which most people do, those food proteins that you're eating that go undigested and enter your bloodstream through your leaky gut, well, your breast milk is made from blood. So those food proteins go into the breast milk. They go into your baby who's born with an open gut on purpose because. Breast milk, human milk, is a living tissue. It's actually really its whole entire own organ system. It's filled with living cells, immunoglobulins, stem cells, antibodies, all these things. And they're meant to actually go into your baby's gut and directly into their bloodstream. But if there's a gluten protein or a soy protein or a tomato protein, whatever it is that you're not digesting that's getting through, now your baby becomes sensitive. And so things like baby acne or eczema. I had a conversation with a doctor about this yesterday where he was like, what is up with all these kids and eczema? He's been practicing for 20 years and he's like, we never had kids with eczema. And now, you know, there's all these eczema creams and whatever, which can obviously help provide comfort, but it doesn't address the root issue. So when I tell moms, it's not just uh, take a thing out of your diet, that's a piece of the puzzle. And it's also not just probiotics probiotics it's not enough you really have to heal your gut and you have to work with someone that knows how to do that and knows how to help you identify what foods may be problematic for you it's not just taking out dairy and a lot of times I'll work with parents too who go well I'm really light dairy cool but you're still having dairy <laughs> like you can't you can't be light dairy or light soy or light gluten or you got to check your supplements and all this kind of stuff and it's just if you don't know where to go and you don't know I mean, you could, you could sit there on the internet and you could find all this stuff yourself and you're going to spend weeks and months, or you could like hire someone who knows what they're doing and help you with this. But it's also one of those fuzzy gray areas where I'm like, you know, there's naturopaths knowledgeable about this kind of stuff, but they might not be knowledgeable about breastfeeding. And so again, it comes down to where moms will think something's wrong with me. I, you know, Oh, it's because I ate dairy or it's because this. It's probably something, honestly, you have no control over. You had no control over your diet as a child or the antibiotics you took when you had ear infections as a kid or gosh, who knows, right? Maybe you needed antibiotics during labor. If you had a C-section, you had one. So there's a lot of things that have compromised your gut over the years. And the other thing with gut health is not just food intolerances. Sorry, I'm going on like a long rant now. But <laughs> No,
0: this is really good, yeah. yeah.
1: But decreased gut motility, Um, is correlated with a low milk supply. So a lot of women may have heard of the medication Domperidone. That's gastrointestinal medication and it's not available in the U.S. The FDA has not cleared that for use for increasing milk supply, but a lot of women go out of the country to seek this and it's used elsewhere around the world. And the reason why it works is because it improves the gastric motility. So it kind of I wouldn't say it improves your gut health because it's a medication and there's side effects and that's a whole other topic, but the herbs that promote good milk supply are often ones that help the digestion as well. And then the other thing that I would say with that is a lot of moms just get it as a baby shower thing. They register for the stuff. They buy it. They start breastfeeding. They get the mother's milk tea. They get a, some sort of herb supplement. They get lactation cookies, but you have to be really careful. And, and I don't, It's a fine line where I, I believe that we're all very smart, we're capable humans, right? If you've birthed a child and you're taking care of it, clearly you're doing something really right, but you don't know what you don't know. And not all herbs are benign. Not all herbs are right for you. And so if you're just blindly taking something that you heard helps or a friend recommended or you read some reviews on Amazon, but you don't know how that actually affects your hormones in your body, you may actually be setting yourself up for the opposite result, Or you could be dangerously increasing your blood sugar or decreasing it and creating some other health problems that maybe don't affect breastfeeding, but and they they might, but they also just may affect your health in general. And so I tell people like, I know you can buy stuff over the counter. I know you thought the reviews, women raved about it, whatever. I get it. But at the same time, these things really should be used under the direction of somebody who knows what's right for you. Because I definitely don't, recommend the same herbs to every mom I work with or the same foods. And it's just so complex. And the last thing I want is for a mom to listen to this and go, oh my gosh, well, geez, I just, that sounds so overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Well, you can find someone who helps you know what to do. And I see the most complex cases, obviously. So oftentimes we're addressing multiple things all at the same time. But I also know that it's important to stage those things. So You know, Let's address the most severe thing first. If your baby has a tongue tie and breastfeeding is painful, why don't we work on that first? And then later we can get to the food intolerances. We have a little more time to work with that or, or maybe your baby has severe food intolerances. Let's address that first and then do the ties later. You don't have to pile it on and do everything at once. So those are the things I see most of the time. I will say most moms, not always, but most moms generally know how to latch their babies really well. And if you're struggling to get a good latch, despite doing all the right things, it probably is nothing you're doing wrong. It may have something to do with your baby and you just, you might not even need a lactation consultant. You might need some body work for them or something else, you know, babies that are kind of labeled as lazy. They're not lazy. You know, they're not doing something because they physically cannot do it. They don't have personality defects at two days old or two weeks old. Although sometimes it feels like it when you're like, why are you crying? But honestly, sometimes there's just something wrong and we need to get it addressed and no one is, you know, don't take it personally is really what I have to say about that.
0: Yeah, so much good here. This is one of those. I was here like, oh my ball, you know, in terms of everything that I went through with my son, in terms of my journey, my gut issues and all and inflammation and mastitis. And so thank you for this information. It's definitely really helpful. And where can people find, Because I know a mom that is tired at 2 a.m. is going to Google and is going to find all this weird stuff. But where would you say will be sources that you trust that people can go to or books that are for moms to understand that might not be that technical?
1: That's a really good question. Probably there's not much I trust because I've read it all. So I try to put out as much as I can. I have my own podcast called Breastfeeding Talk a milk motherhood and mindset. And I'm very active on Instagram at holistic lactation. I do IGTV videos over there. And I've got some online courses on different topics, one in particular on healing food intolerances and mastitis and whatever. I'm actually kind of rolling that into a big community called the Nurture Collective that I'm starting now, which is going to be mostly just online courses that you could take at your own pace that are short to the point, here's how to fix XYZ, but also you may have some follow-up questions with that. You may be wanting some additional support. So that's sort of built into that as well. There is one book that I would say breastfeeding books mean well and they're they can be a nice thing to read if you're pregnant and you're just wanting to prepare. But one of the books that I've seen be the best is one of my colleagues, Lisa Palladino. She wrote a book called It Shouldn't Hurt to Nurse Your Baby. And that's one of the things I said in this episode. She is also a specialist in tongue and lip ties and those things as well. I really, really love that book. And if somebody wants to learn more about foods to eat while breastfeeding, I recommend the book Mother Food by Hillary Jacobson. That is an excellent, excellent book. She, I think, is in the process of rewriting it and just updating it, but it's a great starting point, and I think that's it that I could think of for books, but I really do try, you know, if there's something that anyone who's listening you want to learn more about, honestly, send me a DM on Instagram, and I'll create some content and put it out there. I don't know what you need. I mean, I know because I work with moms every day, but if there's something that you feel like I haven't you know, written about or put something out there on, let me know. And I'm, I'm happy to create more content because I do find what is out there is often outdated. It's insufficient, it's lacking, and it's often not put out by professionals who really are certified in these things. Yeah.
0: And something like those groups, like what's your opinion on La Lecia League? And I think there was something else called Rose Racing or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, La Leche League, I actually was a La Leche League leader and I retired when I started my practice just because I couldn't do both. But I do like La Leche League for support. I think that what women should know about attending a meeting there is that it doesn't replace seeing an IBCLC there. All the leaders do have liability insurance. They're not allowed to really do a lot with you. They're happy to refer you though. And they're usually very well connected to great lactation consultants in your community. But it is a free group if you're like, you know, hey, I just, I don't know, I've never nursed in public before or, you know, my baby, is this normal? They're a wonderful resource. They also have a hotline that you can call. So every, they're around the world, they're everywhere. You can just look up La Leche League International, find a chapter near you. They've got an international hotline, usually local ones as well. In the U.S., most states have a 24-hour breastfeeding hotline. So I'd encourage you to look it up here in Arizona. If you just Google Arizona Breastfeeding Hotline, just fill in your state's name and you'll find it. So those are often staffed by IBCLCs or, or something. For anyone who's low income, the WIC program federally in the U.S. does provide at least peer counselors. They can provide breast pump rentals. Many locations also do have IBCLCs on staff. So there may be breastfeeding cafes depending on where you live. Like, if you're in LA, there's a lot more options than there is in like Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, honestly, just reaching out, Googling, you know, breastfeeding support, type in your city, asking fellow breastfeeding moms or even just regular mom friends, checking out your mom's groups, kind of seeing what's available to you locally. But there's a ton of online support. One last thing, maybe a little bit of a shameless plug for me, is I do telehealth visits. So, you know, you don't always have someone local. Maybe you need to do a video appointment. There's a lot that can be done on video. I'm not the only one out there who does that. And there's an app called Maven, which is a free app that you can download. And I think your free appo- your first appointment is free, but you can get a 20 minute video consult with a lactation consultant. I'm on there as well. I don't only do telehealth on there. I do it myself as well, but that's another great resource where If you even just got a free 20-minute video appointment, you'd be surprised how much we can address with you in 20 minutes and also just visually seeing you. There's really no excuse. There's a lot out there for you and it's just about being aware of everything that is out there.
0: Yeah, thank you for all these resources and also for including and talking about your courses and your podcast is really good. It's bringing a lot of also professionals and bringing all these different topics about hormones and all those kind of things. So thank you for that as well. And that's-
1: Yeah. I, I have this really great psychologist on there. <laughs> yeah. I do not know her, yeah. <laughs> but yeah,
0: no, it's, you know, it's really good that you have all these resources and I know we, this was going to be like an intro and we went over cause I'm also very interested in it, you know, selfishly, cause I'm about to pop again in two months. Um, but anything else that you think it's important to kind of mention or,
1: you know, yeah, I it's like kind of one of my there's like two mottos that I have and one is that you can breastfeed. Everyone can breastfeed. Everyone. And even if you have insufficient glandular tissue, also known as IGT, you can breastfeed. Like I said, it doesn't need to be all or nothing. And I mean, I've supported adoptive moms who have induced lactation. So literally, you can make it happen. And the other thing is that you know your baby best. So when you hear something from me or your pediatrician or your OB or friend or your mother in law or whatever, check, just to check in with yourself and check in with your baby and realize like you carried and birthed this child and now you're breastfeeding it if you are or, you know, even if you're not, but truly, truly, you are the one who knows your baby best. Even when I work with my clients, hey, this is like two hours snapshot of time. I don't know what he's like in the middle of the night. I don't do appointments at those times, right? So whoever you're working with, what I would say is take everything everyone says with a grain of salt, don't take it personally and just check in with yourself, see if that aligns. And the other thing I would say is be as open and honest as you can. Give your providers or support network as much information as you can so that they can really help you. It's always kind of hard for, and I'm sure you know this too, you're like third appointment, you finally hear something that you're like, that would have been nice to know the first appointment. And I get, you probably have mom brain you forgot, but don't be afraid to say what's really going on. You don't have to pretend like you have it all together. When you're working with someone, hopefully you're working with someone who's super supportive. If you're not, find someone who is because we want to support you and your relationship with your baby. It's really important.
0: Mm, thank you for all of this. Thank you. Thank you. And I know you mentioned where to find you, but and it's also going to be included in the show notes. But again, it's at holistic lactation in IG. Yep. Website is holistic lactation as well.
1: Yep. Holisticlactation.com. on Facebook. I'm holistic lactation. I'm not active on Twitter. If you're a professional, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm on there too. So yeah.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing those courses and the membership that's coming very soon, probably. Will be- yeah,
1: it well, it was supposed to be done this week, but as Lidiana knows, I was in a car accident, so you know it's coming. So I did want to put that out there, just because it's it's going to be an incredible resource and something really, really accessible and affordable for moms.
0: Yeah, and it will be out when this episode comes. So, so yeah, yeah, great for that. Thank you, everyone, and again, if you have any questions, you can directly communicate with Jacqueline. And I so appreciate all this knowledge and looking forward to keep connecting with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time.